good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. And today we want to welcome as our very special guest, Dr. Jeff Scott. Jeff, thank you and welcome to the program. Thank you, Arch, for having me, and I'm excited about being here. Well, we are excited to have you. Listeners, Dr. Scott is the uh, Vice President of Education at the Freedoms Foundation, and he just recently moved to the Philadelphia area, and we're excited to have him with us and continuing to broaden the education programs at the foundation. So, Jeff, if you would, before you start into your topics on the presidents and presidencies, would you share with our listeners a little bit of your educational background, please? Absolutely. Well, college-wise, I went to UT Chattanooga. I have two degrees from there. And I have two degrees from the University of Alabama down in Tuscaloosa. And I'm also working on another master's degree right now through Gettysburg College mm. in American history. So uh, I'm excited about that. I love learning. And educationally, teaching-wise, I taught you know over 20 years, every level, elementary through high school, and even taught college classes. So I've done a little bit of everything, worked in administration, worked on curriculum. But my passion is U.S. history civics education, and of course, the Freedoms Foundation. And also, Jeff, if you would share with our listeners about your new job at the Freedoms Foundation and what that entails, please. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm just honored to be at the Freedoms Foundation here at Valley Forge and leading our education department. And basically in our education department, we offer student programs, residential programs for students, and also traveling programs for students. We do a something called History Encounters, where you bring a group and we kind of tailor a trip for you. Now, we also do teacher programs on campus. Uh, we have residential programs. We're going to have a great lineup this coming summer for teachers to join us. And we also do a traveling program, which we'll be doing American Revolution South this coming summer, which is going to be great. And I hear that gentleman that leads that program is a little shaky, Jeff. Is that is that an accurate he, statement? He's a, a little, little shaky. You know, he he's a little shaky. He's a little out there. Um, overall, he knows a few things. Uh, <laughs> probably knows more than what people want to know. He knows, but overall, he's okay. Well, you you're kind. And listeners, I just want to share with you. There's only two things that I'm a little disappointed with Jeff on, and one is he is not a golfer, and two, he does not own a dog. But oh yeah, yeah. but those are minor things. So Jeff, again, share with our listeners, please, your topic, and you can jump right in and begin to share with our listeners about your interesting topics uh, about several different aspects of the presidency, please. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things, um, before I jump into that, one of the things that we want to do here at the Freedom Foundation is really expand who we are out there in the public and really get people mm-hmm. fired up again for civic education and our history, which is so amazing. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to talk about our history without people getting mad. And we have to get back to being able to discuss and debate and look at everything and just look look at our history in totality. And that's what I want to do today with the presidency. And for me, the presidency is something I've kind of worked on and studied for years. I helped write the course actually in the state of Tennessee for an elective course for the presidency. And it's just been a passion of mine since I was probably in middle school. And I love looking at the role of the president, what they're able to accomplish, restraints on the president. 
and just what it takes to get there. You know, I, I, I really think that many of our presidents, I would dare say most of our presidents have had that it factor. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a different thing for every president. But for the vast majority of them, they have that it factor, no matter if they were a Federalist, a Whig, a Democrat, a Republican, they pretty much have that. And that and that's kind of what I want to explore today. Would you share with our listeners, Jeff, define what you're talking about with the it factor? Absolutely. You know, sometimes when you talk about that it factor, it's kind of hard to put it in a bottle. I think sometimes when you look at, say, for instance, George W. Bush, okay, just to throw one out there, why was he able to become president? And some people say, well, he came from a famous family. He was wealthy. He was known. But there's a lot of people that come from famous families that are wealthy and that are known. How did he get there? And I think sometimes you have to look at each president and say, what was it about them at that moment in time that allowed them to get to that point? And there are also some presidents that probably became president and they shouldn't have just because of outside <laughs> factors. That, sure. you know, but, and that's kind of want to look at, you know, not all of them today, obviously, but a few. And I also want to look at those one term presidents and which ones really rank pretty high in terms of being a one term president. Okay. So share, share, please, your thoughts on presidents that have that it factor and why that those specific people had that it factor. Okay. Well, let me throw out an easy one to start with. George Washington. Okay. He's one. He's very easy to start with because without him, we, we pretty much don't have a country and we probably don't have the presidency as we know it. But George Washington, that it factor for him was just this essence of leadership. He had an essence of leadership, and when he walked in the room, people looked at him as the leader, whether it's because how he carried himself or whether he was the tallest person in the room usually or that he just had that commanding aura. He had that, and so that's why it wasn't a problem for Congress to really decide on him as our first president. And honestly, the Constitution wouldn't have been approved Mm -hmm. if there wasn't this general understanding that George Washington was going to be our first president. You take another person, such as Andrew Jackson, a pretty controversial president, but you can't really talk about American history without talking about Andrew Jackson and the impact that he had. Uh, Very few presidents have a time period kind of referred after them, the age of Jackson. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at Andrew Jackson, you know, what was his it factor? Um, Andrew Jackson had that that way of connecting with the regular American that a lot of people don't have. He just understood how to do it. And a lot of times people running for office and you do okay to a certain level and you run for bigger offices and you try to go to the president. You can't connect with the people at a larger sense. But Andrew Jackson had that. Another president that probably had that very similar trait, and although they were very different people, was Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan had that it factor. When you looked at him, you saw a president. He knew how to look into that camera and talk to people like he was talking to you. And so you can't underestimate that it factor when it comes to our president. And no matter um, what you know, side of the fence you, you're on, whether you're a little bit liberal, a little bit 
conservative. The presidency is for all of us. And no matter if we get mad at the person in office, we should always respect the office mm-hmm. uh, because that is our office and it represents the American people. Let me give you another person that had that. I would say that it factor. Another person that had that it factor would be John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy had the charismatic factor going for him. Yes, he came from a famous family. Yes, he came from well, but that wasn't the reason he became president. He just had that charismatic factor about him that he understood how to carry himself. Not that he was a natural speaker. He wasn't a natural speaker. You know, he had to work on that when he was running for office. But he had that it factor and people believed in what he was saying. And very few people have that running for office that they can get enough people to believe that. And Jeff, you listed four here and they're all very different personalities. Uh That it factor, what are elements that create that it factor for that particular time period? Is it the issues? Is it the person? Is it the right personality at the right time? Or is that a, a combination of many different things all all together? Well, I think it's a combination of things, but overall, it's probably their experience and their environment they came from. It's that were they able to rise through their environments? You take a person like Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan didn't come from a lot of wealth. Came from a middle family, you know, middle, lower middle class family. His dad had issues. Ronald Reagan wanted to be a sports announcer. Mm-hmm. But he was also a lifeguard early in his life as a teenager. And he connected with people then. He connected with people as an announcer. And then he went into acting, connected with people. He hosted the General Electric Hour, which really allowed people to know him nationally more so. And he was able to get in their living room. And for him, it was pretty much he had the opportunity to develop his it factor throughout his life. Um, And when you look at Andrew Jackson, Andrew Jackson did the same thing in terms of he, he came from a rough background. He, as a young boy, his disdain for British was evident at a young age because he was part of the American Revolution at a young age. Matter of fact, there was a story of Andrew Jackson when a British soldier asked him to get down and you know kiss his boots or shine his shoes, whatever. Andrew Jackson refused to. And the soldier took a sword and slashed Andrew Jackson across the face. And you can see pictures of Andrew Jackson, and he always had that scar, and he had that disdain for the British his whole life. And he also had that passion and drive to succeed and overcome his environment. And I think a lot of people have that. You know, you go back to Theodore Roosevelt. He's somebody we didn't mention, but he has that it factor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt also grew up. Now, he came from wealth, but he grew up a sickly child. You know, he had health issues. He had a passion to overcome that and to be successful. And he had an innate ability to lead. And you saw that when he was charging up the hill. When he gathered a group of people, he basically knew and took them to Cuba and paid for everything. They followed him because he overcame his difficulties and he was able to get other people to overcome their difficulties. And that's what great leaders do. And that's what presidents try to do. How much of the presidency before or the president before each one of these men played in that it factor? What I'm thinking is, you know, 
at Quincy Adams before Jackson, you know, Jimmy Carter, who was not a good speaker and the Malays and then Ronald Reagan and John Kennedy, the young president coming after Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was not uh, an eloquent speaker. And, uh, you know, Richard Nixon coming across the way he did. How much of that the presidency before these men that you've mentioned plays into that it factor with them? Well, you know, that's a good question, Arch. I think it plays somewhat of a factor in getting them elected, but I'm not so sure it plays a great deal of factor of them actually getting to that point. Mm-hmm. But it does probably a little bit because people are always looking for somebody a little bit different, especially if the person that's leaving office drove them crazy. So sometimes you're looking for a little bit different personality or you're looking for somebody that speaks a little different and so forth uh, that brings a little different element. But a lot of times those people are able to get elected because they've already gotten that it factor to a point where it's allowed them to get there. And some of these presidents, uh, these presidents, other ones that you possibly have not mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, has their it factor turned against them during their presidency and they have lost their popularity because of the part of the personality that helped them get elected? Well, I think when you look at somebody like that, obviously you could look at Richard Nixon, but there was other factors there, obviously, that turned people against him uh, with Watergate. I'm not so sure people's it factor turns the public against them. It's more or less when they feel that that president didn't achieve what they thought they could. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people are so influenced by a person's speaking ability or how they connect with them on camera or how they made them feel that they just expect that everything's going to be great. And it's often not because there's so many variables that play into that. And sometimes that's what happened to our one-term president, President Hoover, for instance. Hoover, before he became president, or as he is becoming president, was probably one of the most respected people in government that we had had, and certainly one of the most respected in that time period. He helped feed all the soldiers in World War One. He came mm-hmm. with a plan to do that. He was highly intelligent, could speak multiple languages. Now, was he great uh, speaking of people? Um, he wasn't the best in the world, but of course, this was a little bit before the time. Radio was just in and so forth. But Hoover, he, was, he had done so much, people looked at him as somebody they could trust. They looked at him that he would take care of them. But then the stock market crashed. And when he couldn't do that, his popularity sunk. And he couldn't overcome it because people really believed he was the type of person that handled those kind of situations. And he waited too long to act. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, you know, it did backfire on Hooper a little bit. What about FDR, Jeff? You know, FDR comes in and I've listened to so many of his speeches and he was not an eloquent speaker. But what about FDR and that it factor? Yeah, I try to stay away from an obvious one there. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Obviously, Franklin Roosevelt had that it factor in terms of the way he approached issues. Franklin Roosevelt, remember, he was in government for a long time. Mm-hmm. He was assistant secretary of the Navy during World War One. He came from a family of politicians, and he understood his it factor was that he was able to put issues that truly impacted Americans in simplistic terms where everybody could understand. It. Yes. Yeah. And very few people can do that. We think it's easy, but it's not. 
presidents have tried to do that, and that's why some of them can't seem to get over the hump, is because, you know, people just saying, oh, I don't believe this guy, or I don't know what they're talking about. But Franklin Roosevelt knew how to say stuff where people thought, you know, I understand that. And, of course, through his fireside chats, that's why he was so successful. Not that mm-hmm. he could just do fireside chats. It's because when people listened to him, and when he got done, they understood him. And that's a big deal in trying to lead people is to get them to understand what you're trying to do and what the issues are. And he had that it factor. And Roosevelt, coming from a fair amount of wealth, Jeff mm-hmm. was able to tie into the forgotten man and the people so devastated because of the Great Depression. Well, one of the reasons he was able to do that, you know, Roosevelt had polio. And when he contracted that, he really went through an experience of looking at what people struggle with and his own struggles and that he was determined that just because you have issues, you have either physical issues, you have mental issues, you Mm -hmm. have emotional issues, financial issues, you can overcome it. So he used that. And Jeff, I'm going to go out and thin ice with you here, so I apologize. President Barack Obama, and there's a couple of follow-up questions that I have to the next two examples. President Obama, the it factor, do you think he had that? And what was it if he did? Mm -hmm. Uh, President Obama also had that ability to speak to the people. Now, some people say, well, he used the teleprompter all the time. He read off the teleprompter. Well, a lot of presidents do that. Sure. But if you listen to his speaking, he knew how to inflect certain words. He knew when to pause, emphasize certain things. He was also certain things that he was a president that certain things lined up. And I think people in this country are ready for just an overall change in a mm-hmm. different direction. You know, we were going through a hard time economically for sure. And so people are going to look for a different direction. I think one thing that President Obama had going for him, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, is that he did not have a long track record that people could just pick apart in today's society. Right. Yeah. You know, he almost started running for president once he became senator. Yeah. Yes. And so people, he had that it factor of being able to, you know, people like how he spoke to them. He also had a freshness about him, Mm -hmm. not just his age, but like I said, he did not have a ton of policy decisions and many years in government that people could just pick apart. And I think that helped him at that time tremendously. Yeah, I agree. And President Donald Trump. And I'm asking you those two presidents because I have a follow-up question about the both of them to you. So, Sure. You know, well, President Trump, you know, he had that it factor of being able to excite an audience and make them truly either get agitated or energized, whatever you want to say. But he's been able to do that his entire career, mm-hmm. whether, it, you know, when he's in business or hosted The Apprentice. He had that it factor of understanding media, and very few people have had that to truly understand how to use the media, whether it's for you know negative uses or positive uses. He knew how to get people riled up, and and certainly we haven't had a person go to the presidency like him in the way he did it in our lifetime, probably in the last 100, 200 years, I think the closest that we probably had was Theodore Roosevelt uh, in terms of his personality and how he could engage the audience. 
But Donald Trump understands, and he just understands how to get inside of people. And my follow-up question, Jeff, is that these most of these presidents you've mentioned had a fairly high popularity percentage. It seemed like Barack Obama and Donald Trump, there was either you liked them or you really disliked yeah. them. And so it yeah. was that how why is that a characteristic of these two where the other ones you've mentioned seem to have mm-hmm. an overwhelming likability, even though you might be not from their party? All right. Well, you know, uh, I think a lot of that is societal change and that we've become we feel like we've got to be so divided now. Mm-hmm. that you can't look at somebody and say, you know, I like a little bit of what they do. I don't like this, but I do like that. It's like if we don't like one thing somebody does from a party or whatever, it's like we got to hate them. We can't like them at all. And I think that in our society, that's what's happened over the last 20, 30 years. Maybe we saw a little bit of it during the Clinton impeachment trial. Mm-hmm where we had this division uh, where it was looking, you know, people were saying, oh, it was a partisan thing going after them, whatever. But there were still people across the party lines for different reasons. I think 9-11 brought us back together for a little mm-hmm. bit. And then since then, we've just been divided. And so it's like no matter who's running, it's like if you can't get at least half the people for you, you're not going to be able to get through a primary. And so what happens is that sometimes we're seeing people to get through their presidential primaries. They have to either go far left or far right, talk to certain groups, because if they try to reach across or say, you know, I think we can work with this group on this and this group on that, it's very hard for them to win the nomination. And so then whoever we get elected president right now, it's almost like immediately half the people don't like them. Right. And my last question with this segment, Jeff, if we're running out of time, what's the importance of the media, and particularly TV now, to particularly the Kennedy-Nixon debates of 60 that does this it factor play? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, certainly the Kennedy-Nixon debate changed how we vote for presidents. Matter of fact, and again, political parties have known this since this time, uh, this is nothing new to them. But once on the uh, with the, regard to the Kennedy and Nixon debate, people that listened to the Kennedy Nixon debate on radio clearly gave the debate to Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Clearly, but people who watched that first televised debate on TV clearly gave it to Kennedy. And from that point on, it was like, okay, what do we do now? How do we mobilize somebody that can come across the people and that people look at them and they say, you know what? I like this person. So I think TV, more so now you have social media and the Internet. I really think that's more of an influence now than TV because people can get their message out there quicker. So, well, unfortunately, listeners, we are up against the time. Dr. Scott, this is a fascinating subject, and it gives us a whole different perspective of looking at a candidate and looking at the presidency. We want to thank you for coming and sharing this aspect of the it factor about the presidency. We want to, again, welcome you to our area. We are so glad that you're here and and you've taken on the new responsibility of of education vice president of the Freedoms Foundation. So we want to all give you a very well Northeast welcome to our area. (laughs) And and thank you for coming and sharing today. We certainly appreciate it. 
Well, I want to say thank you, Arch, and thanks to the audience, and thanks for everybody up here that's been wonderful. And I'm always here to help. The Freedoms Foundation is always here to help civic education, U.S. history. And also, I want people to understand, no matter which side of the fence you go on, remember, the presidency is for all the people. Can't agree with you more. Love that office, love our country, and appreciate what we have. And listeners, we need to pray every day for our president, and regardless of what party they're from. So, Jeff, thank you for sharing with us. We certainly appreciate it, and we look forward to your next program talking about one-term presidents and why oh, that happened. Be good. All right, yeah. thank you so much again. We appreciate it. This is All 1180 right, AM WFYL, working for your liberty.